0: Hello, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Body Musings Podcast. This is your host, Madeline Victoria Moon, and I am so delighted to bring to you episode 73 today with Alexi Panas, who is someone that I've been looking up to from afar for a couple months now. I stumbled upon her and I have been following her YouTube channel, I mean, religiously like i am addicted to her amazing youtube work she's so inspiring she's motivational and if you know me you know i am all about that kind of stuff i love feeling like my heart and soul is just filled up with this nourishing excitement about being who you want to be and she is all about that and she's so wise and really brings up a lot of things that i personally don't think about and alexi someone that's been through a lot of things in her life but she's turned all of the quote negative things around to use it to her own benefit to become the person she always believes she's meant to be the person she wants to be and i think that's beautiful Alexi is the new it girl on the personal development scene, leading with unique style and undeniable soul. Named as one of Origin Magazine's top 100 creatives changing the world, winner of Elixir Magazine's Millennial Mentor Award, and one of the stars of the breakout documentary The Abundance Factor, Alexi's truly shaking up things with her passionate and energetic delivery, making a unique mark on the world, her, for- her forthcoming book Fifty Ways to Yay, published by Simon and Schuster—I don't say that right—will be the beginning of a series published under this house. Whether she's speaking and facilitating workshops around the world with her transformational bridge method, drilling clean water wells through her nonprofit Epic. Dishing insights from her own personal quests for truth in her books and blogs, or inspiring a million plus viewers as host of her compelling inspirational YouTube series, she is completely obsessed with creating experiences that matter, move, and inspire people into their greatness and authentic selves. Alexi's mission. Is to empower one billion people to harness their unique gifts in order to create a compound inspiration effect that truly changes the world. Alexi has been chosen as a brand ambassador for MTV, JetBlue, Quicksilver, Alternative Apparel, plus Cat footwear as she represents the new generation of change makers and earth movers that are shifting the world in an authentic way her work has been featured in origin magazine new york magazine new york daily news on hgtv history channel mtv and JetBlue, jet jet bridges and screens all over the u.s and caribbean oh my gosh wow is she not amazing or what she's killing it out there so i'm so excited to bring you um the insight that she has to give us today which is a lot um, before before we go over there, I'm going to go ahead and read the review of the week, and it's five stars from CP six nine one hundred twelve, and she says, "My new favorite podcast." She says, "I absolutely love this podcast. I work in the fitness industry and used to be a bikini competitor and have battled everything under the sun from disordered eating, binging, body dysmorphia, etc., and love hearing from inspirational women like Madeline who have." broken past that stigma, and found her own happy place. She is so genuine, funny, honest, and kind. I feel like I know her. I love that she brings on such a variety of people, opinions, and never says, no, that's not right. Or I don't believe in that. She just lets them share their own experiences and allows the listener to interpret how they want to. She is such a cool and inspiring chick to listen to. I literally take walks every day and just play her podcast and zone out. It's so easy to get consumed in diet training, body image, etc. But hearing her talk about body image and love just makes me want to snap out of it. Like, chill dude, your legs are fine. <laughs> Keep doing an incredible job, Maddie. I have turned so many people on to your podcast and can't wait to see what, what's more in your future. Sending all the love and gratitude your way. Oh, oh, that, that review gives me goosebumps and gave me chills the first time I read it. And, um, this one was special to me. It really was special to me because I feel the same way about, um, how easy it really is to get consumed in diet and training and body image. It's everywhere. It's all around us. So it is important to have those people and those messages in your life that can remind you just to calm down because you're doing fine. You're doing so good. You're more than fine. You're more than enough. You're beautiful and you're amazing. So I'm really grateful that, that I I got to read this review and, um, it meant a lot to me so thank you for that um so anyone that entered the uh the giveaway from last week's episode make sure that you're on my newsletter because i will be announcing that today in my newsletter i'll be announcing the winner um, so I'm going to keep it inside of the email instead of broadcasting it out for thousands and thousands of people to hear. So make sure you're on there. If you're not on there, you can get on it real quickly by going to maddiemoon.com newsletter and you can sign up there. And last but not least, stay tuned for my program, scripture, food and healing, because the doors are going to open to this new course that I've been spending months creating for you. Um, they'll be opening this week. I'm putting the final touches on um, the, the course and the sign-up page and getting all the information in there. So stay tuned again. Make sure you're on my newsletter because I'll be telling you guys first and foremost about this course. Um, it's basically going to be a course that is guiding you through your eating disorder or your body image struggle using the word, using exactly what God has to say about food and about you know, your body and about physical training. And the goal is really to help people that struggle with obsessing over dieting, obsessing over exercise, learn how to approach those things uh, like a grain of salt and to learn how to pack down and to really enjoy mindful eating, intuitive eating and just movement. And I know how hard that is. And that's why I've created this program, because it's everything that I, I wish that someone had told me. And a lot of the stuff that I had to learn on my own which really contributed to my recovery process because God was really ultimately the the way, the reason that I overcame all of my food struggles. And so I've put it into this six-week course that's going to guide you exactly through what I went through. And it also includes a lot of the tools that I use with my one-on-one clients that I coach. So it's integrating a lot of um, scripture and a lot of christianity based um methods and and teachings but also a lot of the stuff that i do just for life coaching and just for um eating disorder coaching or emotional eating coaching so it's a really unique twist and i'm really excited about it so make sure you're on my newsletter so you can get more information about that soon and i'll be talking a lot more about it in the upcoming weeks because um this is something i'm super excited about and i want to make sure everyone knows about it so if you have a friend that you think would be interested in this shoot them over my newsletter so they can sign up and get that information as well so now it is time to head on over to the show i cannot wait i'll see you there welcome to the mind body musings podcast Welcome back to the show everybody I am joined here today with the amazing Alexi how are you doing today oh man
1: I am so good so grateful so blessed life is good and I'm here chatting with an amazing woman like you so how can it not be good
0: Oh my gosh. Okay, so this episode is a little bit different. Well, in my opinion, it might be a little different because I really just, I'm just a fangirl over you. You know, like (laughs) I normally when I have people on the show, I have a certain topic that's not about them, like digestion or body image or eating disorders. But when it comes to you, I'm like really interested in just you as a person. And I just want to pick your brain and talk about what has inspired you to go in the direction that you've been leading in because it's, it's so, it's, to me, it's very inspirational. And I know to other people watching your videos, it is as well, but you're my kind of people, you know, I I feel like we all have people we are like really, um, in awe of, and I'm definitely, I didn't, I haven't actually, so this is how I found out about you. Um, I am a big fan of Jake Ducey as well yeah i love jake and he yeah his books really speak to me and i've been in contact with him a few times and i'm going to uh see him in in a couple weeks actually for a little conference
1: yeah his workshop
0: yes i will be there
1: i'll be there i think i'm going to co-facilitate a little bit
0: okay are you really that's amazing so i'll be able to hang out (laughs) with you Um, yeah, so I, I found you because Perfect, I love that Yeah, it's it's crazy how things happen like that But he had mentioned um, The two people that were joining So I know, I saw that your boyfriend Was going to be there And so I, I checked out his work And I was like, all oh, these videos are cool And then that led me to um, The Bridge Method, which led me to you And then since then, I've subscribed to your YouTube channel And I've been watching every video And every time I watch it, I'm just like Oh my gosh, this girl gets it. Like, she gets it more than I've ever got it. Like, and I just, it's very inspiring. So thank you for what you've been doing. Thank you. I love that rabbit hole of the internet. Like, I find
1: so many cool people through the rabbit hole of the internet. I'm like, oh, look at this cool picture. Who shared it? Oh, who's this person? And then it's like, oh and you, you just meet all these amazing, inspiring individuals who are up to some pretty cool things. So
0: right. awesome story.
1: I loved hearing that.
0: Right. Yeah. And and the the power of podcasting too. So it's I I feel like I'm in a very blessed situation where I can be like, I like this person and their message and then reach out to you and then be able to talk to you and pick your brain even more. So I love just the capability of being able to connect with people on this other kind of level and even cooler that I get to actually hang out with you in a couple of weeks. Yes. Who knew? Surprise, I surprise. <laughs> So let's go dive into your background, because that's one thing I'm not too familiar with everything that you've gone through in your journey. So what led you to where you are today? Oh, how long's your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love this part. This is one of my favorite parts of the show. So you just make it as in depth and delicious as you want.
1: Amazing. I love deliciousness. All right, <laughs> cool.
0: Well, so I, I lived kind of um,
1: an interesting life. And one side of it was very normal growing up. I grew up in a really small town called Erie, Pennsylvania. You know, a great family, great values. Um, but on the other side of it, my mom, my parents split when I was young, but you know I was really close with both of them. My mom was a talent manager, so she you know owned an agency and she repped models and actors in Erie actually, and then got bought out by a big company in New York. So I was spending my summers in New York City with my mom, and inevitably kind of got into the business at a young age. I think at four I was doing stuff for Disney and TJ Maxx and you know all these kid type of modeling gigs and. Sure enough, I I found out at about seven that I was a tomboy and I hated makeup and hairspray and I wanted it as far away from me as possible. (laughs) And I swore to my mom, I was like, I only want to wear sweatpants. I never want to wear a skirt again. I just want to be a kid. And so, you know, my parents totally honored that and let me be a dirty kid that played in the woods and got messy and had an amazing childhood. Um, Then at 12, I shot up and became five foot nine and a stick. So, my mom's friends were all like, she's got to get back into modeling and blah, blah, blah. So, I inevitably get back into modeling. I start traveling to Miami and New York City during the summers. And I'm living this totally like night and day different life. Um, You know, on, on one side, I'm in Erie going to school during the fall and the school season. And nobody knew about this other life I was living as this like young teenage model. And it was really bizarre because um, I spent time with a lot of older people when I was modeling. I was always on gigs and I would, you know, be hanging out with 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds. And I was so fortunate to meet really amazing older people. I wasn't meeting people who were into drugs and that crazy kind of model party lifestyle. I was meeting people who loved to read and were taking classes and were telling me and sharing with me all this wisdom that they were learning. So it really piqued my interest In personal development at a young age. And I felt as if personal development and people like Tony Robbins and Marion Williamson and Wayne Dyer really spoke to me because I felt like I was maturing really early because I was spending so much time. You know, I was already working and I was meeting all these people. And then I'd come back to my hometown and, you know, everyone's just talking about boys and school and. Acne and you know, like teenage stuff, which was great, and I loved it. But but personal development was kind of my 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 savior because I felt like wow, okay, I can really start to understand myself and these changes that I'm going through. So fast forward a few years, and I'm 15, and my sister and I are spent our summers with our mom and we're allowed to bring our friends. And my sister's friend Angie wanted to be a singer. And we're looking through the newspaper and we're trying to find movies to go see that night. And there's this ad, singers, wanted, call this number, audition, uh, putting together a a new girl band or something like that. It was this little ad. And it was right when Britney Spears was at her height and Christina Aguilera and the Spice Girls. So it was like on about girl groups. So Angie's like, okay, who's going to audition with me? And we're all just quiet and nobody wants to do it. And then she goes, Alexi, I dare you to do it. And a dare was something that my tomboy self would never turn down. I was like, oh, are you challenging me? Okay. <laughs> um, so sure enough, I said yes to the dare. That turned into Angie and I both getting a call back to, to meet with this producer who was this world-famous producer who we had no idea who he was. But he did Brandy and Monica, uh, Destiny's Child. I mean, he was like this kid superstar. So I ended up getting a record contract with him as a solo artist at 15 and I moved with my mom to South New Jersey to work with him. And it was, it was just this really interesting change of pace because here I was this kid in Erie who had kind of like this sheltered life. You know, Our school wasn't very ethnically diverse, um, you know, it was a, a real kind of Midwest town. And then here I'm moving to South New Jersey where I'm one of four white people in my high school graduating. And it was just like this whole different life that I got to experience and it was really great because it stretched my comfort zone quite a bit. And I worked with this producer Rodney Jerkins for a couple of years kind of developing my skill as a singer because, you know, I wasn't that great of a singer but I was an awesome dancer. And at that time you didn't have to be a great singer, you just had to perform really well. And um, Sure enough, my mom ends up meeting Ja Rule at a club in Miami, and my mom, being the promoter and talent manager that she used to be, was like, "Oh, my daughter's working with Rodney Jerkins. You've got to meet her." Blah blah blah. They're you know crafting her to be the next big thing, and she calls me and she's like, "Oh, I just met John. He's going to call you." And da da da. I'm like, "Mom." Ja rule gets so many people coming up to him, going, Oh, my cousin sings, my best friend sings, blah, 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 blah. He's not gonna call. Sure enough, a week later, I get a call from Ja. <laughs> and it's like midnight, it's a Friday night. I'm in my house reading, you know, being really extra boring. And he's like, What are you doing tomorrow? And I'm like, Well, I was just about to go to sleep and, you know, go to work tomorrow. And he's like, Well, if we send a car for you tonight. We can drive you up and have you at Titoboro Airport and have you on a jet with us out to Los Angeles. And we'll put you in the studio, we'll test you out, and we'll see if, you know, this could be a possible fit. And sure enough, that happened. And it was kind of this whirlwind thing of the minute I stepped onto this private jet, which was just bizarre. Here I am at, at, you know, 17 years old. Stepping onto a private jet and, and with this whole, you know, crew of rappers from Queens. And it was just like the most, the craziest situation in the world. And <laughs> sure enough, that turned into me being on the road with him for two and a half years. And I opened for him. I sang on a couple of his albums. I went all over Asia and Europe and the U.S. and Africa and I kind of lived this crazy version of life. It, it almost seems now, especially it seems like this figment of my imagination where it just seems so far-fetched because I was this, this young small-town girl who's like whisked into this life of rock stardom. And this was at the height of Jaws' career. So we were going and playing sold-out venues of 30,000 people. And it was just, it was madness. It was madness everywhere we went. And, you know, I totally got sucked into the life. I was partying, I was having fun, I was being young and and milking this opportunity to live this rock star lifestyle. And finally, our last stop was in Cape Town in South Africa. And we had a typical night where we went and we played a show, went to the club afterwards, bought a bunch of champagne, signed the bill, and we went right back to the hotel. And as I'm signing the bill... And taking the receipt, because I was like the holder of the receipts and the credit cards, I looked at it and I'm like, $3,000? We just spent $3,000 in 20 minutes at a nightclub. And we walk outside to get on the bus and here's this shantytown to my left. And it was just this perfect image of two worlds. The shantytown that for me represented the rest of the world and this this... Reality of how people live and and what their day to day life looks like and feels like, and then there's this like beautiful top top of the line tour bus, you know filled with women and champagne and this this and that, and it just represented this other life that I had been living for the last couple of years that just didn't feel like me. and in that moment, I felt like a complete fraud. I felt like I was a taker and I was just taking from life and consuming. But what was I giving? What did my life mean? What mattered to me? And and what was I doing with it? Was I creating a legacy or was I just, you know, taking what I could get right now in this moment? And that was truly my first big wake-up moment. And after that trip, I came back to New York and after a series of incidents, um, one being a sexual assault, I, I was out. I was dumb in the music industry because the sexual assault and rape was around the music business. And it was just a surefire sign for me that I had to get out. I had to get out. It was eating away at my soul. It was, it just wasn't me. And quite frankly, I met a lot of amazing people in that industry and people who I still talk to. But there's a lot of sadness and there's a lot of broken spirits and broken people in that business. And it almost took me down with it. And if I didn't get out, honestly, that sexual assault was like my final straw, the straw that broke the camel's back. And it almost had to happen to force me out of it. And when that happened, I got a regular job. I went—I got a bartending job in New York City to afford my lifestyle that I was trying to keep up with and um, met my friend, Tennille. And Tennille and I started talking about how we wanted to give back and we wanted our lives to matter and we wanted to create a legacy in the world and create impact and actually connect with people and make a difference. And that's how we created our nonprofit EPIC. And EPIC stands for everyday people initiating change. And that name is so critical for us because for a long time we thought we had to be Bono or Angelina Jolie and we had to have these massive platforms and all this money and all this stuff to be able to give back. But we realized that all we needed was the heart and the passion and the commitment to do something. And that's what we did. And year after year we just kept recommitting and we kept, you know, coming back to Africa and kept drilling more wells and kept giving as much as we could and learning and growing. And that eventually led me to where I'm at now because Epic has been such a critical part of my unfolding as a human being. Because I've I've connected with these amazing spirits all over the world and have just had my heart cracked open and ugh like I'm just thinking about it right now. If you could see my face, I'm like, I'm kind of tearing up about it because it it's it's been the soul of what I do. And it's the reminder of my humanity. And it's, you know, no matter what I've done in my life, I got back into modeling, made a ton of money in modeling, got back into television, made a ton of money in television. None of that mattered. None of it mattered. None of it meant anything if I wasn't able to give back and thank God for Epic and thank God for my role and my commitment in it because it's truly what reminded me about a sense of humility and humanity and connection and community and spirit and love and giving and and I get so much from them too. You know, people always say, oh, that's so nice. You're giving charity. And it's like, no i'm I'm just showing up and doing what I can do, but they're showing up and giving me so much more in my opinion. You know they're they're giving me a, a reminder of what's really important in life. And that eventually led me here. I, I've always been obsessed with personal development. I've always been obsessed with, you know, inspiring and empowering people to step into their gifts. and I always saw the best in people and it began I guess with kind of free coaching for my friends. <laughs> you know? I was like, Oh wow, I'm kind of coaching all my friends for free, but I love it. It's super fun. But I realized at that point, like I'm actually really good at this and I I could make a living out of this. And I looked to the people who I respected the most, the Wayne Dyers, the Tony Robbins, the Marion Williamsons, and I said, Well, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. I, I did this crazy thing called try to be a music star when I was a kid, and out of sheer tenacity, I made that happen. I didn't. I wasn't a good singer at all. I didn't necessarily even want to be there, but out of sheer tenacity and commitment, I made that thing happen. And I did that as well in modeling in my 20s. I did it in television in my 20s as well. And it's it was kind of that reminder, like, okay, Lex, whatever you put your mind to, you end up accomplishing. So if you're ready, this is your life's path. And it's going to take a lot of commitment and a lot of work, but the world's ready. And I just fully stepped into it, fully surrendered my ego because I had to get over a lot of things within myself to really, really step into this fully. And it's been incredible, like just magical. I wake up every day and I'm like, yes, I am so on purpose, I am so on mission, and this feels so freaking good that I can't believe that this is my life. Like, it's that good. So.
0: <laughs> wow, I feel like I just have goosebumps like all over my body right now <laughs> from listening to this. Everything that you've just shared about your story, there, there's so many things that I want to ask you about, but more than anything, I'm just in awe of all of the different phases. I don't like to use to use the word phases, but like chapters of your life, I'll say, that are so different, but they all played such a crucial role in getting you where you are today. And especially when you talked about the sexual assault, like that, the, the fact that you can look back and say that needed to happen in order for you to get out of where you were. Yeah. That must be very, very empowering to feel that way. It is. And, and, you know, what's
1: interesting, what's interesting is, is sexual assault for me has been, it's been such a journey. And I've since met so many other men and women who have been through their own stories of sexual assault, rape or molestation. And I I actually like, okay, so it happened. And then it was a split decision where it's like, okay, I'm done. I'm out of the music business. Boom, move on to the next thing. I didn't actually address the sexual assault until six years later. Like, I tucked it away in this file within my brain Mm -hmm. that was like, never open this file. This file has scary stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I, I somehow subconsciously convinced myself that that never happened until about six years later when I realized, again, through my work with Epic, here I am out in Tanzania and I'm connecting with all these amazing people. And I felt this emotional block. Like, I felt like this uh, incredibly thick wall that I had built, and I wasn't quite sure how it was there and why it was there, but thank goodness I had some foundations in personal development where I started journaling and asking myself some big questions, and it came out on the paper. And seeing it on paper was just so powerful for me because I recognized in that moment how incredible, one, our brains are in the sense that we can, you know, tell ourselves certain stories and have that be our reality. And two, I realized that this was the golden nugget, like this thing that had happened to me, this like horrible situation that I was trying to avoid for so long, hoping that it would just go away, was actually running my life subconsciously. And when I actually pulled that up to the surface, looked at it, addressed it, spoke life into it told my friends about it, told my mom about it, like when I actually started being with it, it didn't exist in my body anymore. And that, I say it's the golden nugget because pulling that out of the trenches of within me, like whatever that is, pulling that out, literally had me go, oh, whoa, what else is down there? So I went down, speaking of rabbit holes, like we were in the beginning, I went down this rabbit hole of, just uncovering all of the childhood stuff that that gets imprinted on us, all of society's rules and standards. And I just, I cleaned up shop. I went in and I cleaned up shop and I said, you know, what's useful for me in here? What do I want to keep? What's mine? What do I want to let go of? What was never mine to begin with? What did I take on from the rest of the world? And and I truly wouldn't have been able to go through that entire process of cleansing and and rewriting my story if I hadn't have had such a big thing to go through. You know, and, and it it totally taught me compassion, it totally taught me forgiveness, it totally taught me empathy because I had to go through the stage of anger first where I was enraged at this person and myself for the situation that happened. But then once I got past that, I got to the stage of empathy where it's like, whoa, what must he have been going through? And you know, what's his story that led him down that path? And then I got to the stage of compassion. Well, what can I do about it? What do I do about this now? And that became a part of my mission. Well, I may not be able to, to reach him directly, but I can re- I can reach a lot of people and I can reach the youth who are online i can reach people who are on the internet and watching videos and i can share stories and and ideas and tools to help them discover their own worthiness because at the end of the day that's what that person who did that to me was was lacking he was you know he was searching for his own worthiness and that manifested in whatever way it manifested and i think ultimately i've worked with hundreds of people thousands of people now with my online programs that's at the core of what we're all dealing with is worthiness. Am I worthy? Am I lovable? Am I enough? And if, if we can solve that issue at the root and get people actually believing and knowing that who they are is enough, just as they were born into this world as enough and they will leave this world as enough, then we can solve a lot of problems and, and so really, truly, I would not be doing the work I'm doing today without that. And I'm grateful for it.
0: Mm, that's really powerful. And for people that have things tucked away in their past that they haven't been able to let go yet, what does that really look like? Because it kind of confuses me thinking about you know, something that happens that you can't even fathom how to let go of it. Where do you suggest people start? Is it just by what you said, writing it down? Or are there other ways that they can approach uh, something that's happened in their past that's resurfacing that they want to get to a point where they're helping other people like you are?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it, the process is different for everybody. I think for me, writing is really helpful because I'm visual. Um, and I also, when I write, I tend to, I don't want to say channel cause that sounds weird, but <laughs> whatever. It sounds weird. I channel. <laughs> um, no, I just, as I write, it's not, I don't ever feel like it's me writing. I feel like something kind of takes over and just spills out of me. So whatever that is, is helpful for me because then I can visualize whatever that is and truly see it. So writing is a method that works for me. Um, What works for a lot of other people as well, which my fiance and I have a workshop around called The Naked Truth, um, is, is calling forth, just speaking these things into existence. Because a lot of us, we have these shameful secrets, you know, these secrets that we hold deep, deep within our bodies. And we've got so much shame and guilt and anger and resentment and bitterness built up around it that becomes this calcified wall. And it lives in our body and it takes up space. And that physical space is taking up space that, you know, could be open to call in energetic love and abundance and prosperity and all these other things that so many of us want, but we're full and our, our bodies are full and it's not full with the good stuff. So what we do is we create a sacred space for people to call forth those secrets into a room and, and release them. And you know, we've done that that particular workshop with hundreds of people all over the world, and it, it literally creates a sense of freedom within their physical and emotional body that they've never experienced before because they let it go. And I think <laughs> – and hi, doggie.
0: <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, my gosh. Where did that even come from? I, I don't
1: even know if that's my dog or not. <laughs> yeah. It's, I have a dog, but my dog is out and about right now. So, um, But, yeah. and. And what it does is it just creates this physical space where people go, oh, it's like the sigh of relief because it doesn't, it's not taking over them anymore. Mm. When it lives in your body, it controls you. You know, it's like it's in your computer and it's like a virus in your computer that's making everything slower. It's making everything crash and it's making your computer not work as well as it should be working. And when you get that virus out, when even just calling it out into existence, speaking about it to someone, a therapist, a friend, you know, a parent, whatever, it just releases space. And now your, your machine, your computer can work so much better because the virus is out. And then once you start working with it, the the thing I always encourage people to do is ask the question, why is this for me? Because I believe nothing happens to us. Like, okay, yes, the the facts of the matter were I was raped. But that didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And every quote-unquote bad situation that happens to me, I always go, what's in this for me? And when I approach it that way, it's an empowered place because I'm always finding a gift. I'm always finding a breakthrough in the breakdown. I'm always finding a way to overcome the obstacle because I know that that obstacle has been placed in my path to make me stronger, to have me realize something, to give me an insight that I needed. And when we can discover and pull out those insights, then we can move forward and go, wow, what a gift. Even the most terrible things. I mean... My, my sexual assault was horrible. I had a gun held to my head. I mean, it was terrible. People were like, oh, well, yours was probably not that bad. And I'm like, no, it was pretty bad. But there's so many gifts within it that I'm not focused on the bad anymore. I'm focused on, like, look at what I've created with it. And it's amazing. And thank God that happened to me because it stopped me in my tracks and made me go a completely direct, different direction in life. So I, I would say people just need to call it forth however... It works for them, whether a therapist or a friend they can trust. And then ask, why is this for me?
0: Why did this happen for me?
1: There's a gift in here and I get to find it.
0: You know, I think it's really meant to be that you're talking about this right now for this show because I recently, I had, I did a podcast recently where it was just me and I was talking about uh, one of the mindsets that I've adopted and it was, I read off a quote that I read from what book was it? Uh, not uh, The Success Principles. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. And love so, that. yeah, and he says um, that whatever happens, I, I can't believe I forgot it because I love this, but whatever happens, you either act like you let it happen, you made it happen or you uh, something else. You may know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's
1: basically like you either choose it or you allow it.
0: Choose it, allow it, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so I read that off, and then I had someone, a listener of the podcast, tell me that this is actually a really uh, bad mindset for people that are victims of sexual assault,
1: mm-hmm. and that it's,
0: that it's very, very triggering, and that with my audience, they probably shouldn't hear that. And it made me really stop and think about it because I've never had that happen so I didn't really know if that's, you know, very valuable insight and that's very true that that kind of mindset is poisonous for people that have had sexual assault or if maybe it's, it's a good thing to think of it that way and it takes time, but eventually when you do, that's when it's empowering. So yeah. I think it's really great that you brought this up today just to kind of, exp- I mean, this ties in so perfectly with what I was trying to say but couldn't really say. Yeah, sure. So I'm glad you did say that.
1: Well, and you know, it, it's always a blessing too when people reach out to us and give us their personal perspectives. I, I have a ton of people that do that because I've I've done a lot of videos on this particular topic, um, not about my sexual assault, but about 100% responsibility for our lives. And I get a lot of uh, people who don't like that. Um, because that means that their life is in their hands and they create the reality and A lot of people will say, well, did I create the childhood abuse when I was four years old? It's like, no, you don't always create it, but you allow how you let that thing affect you. So it's not about the load we're carrying, it's about how we carry the load. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, I had this massive load that I could have literally let sink me into the ground. And I remember the distinct moment where I was like, this is either going to make me or break me. and. I chose to let it make me and it's a choice and it's a hard choice, it's freaking hard. Like I'm not going out here and going, oh, this is the easiest choice I've ever made and you should make it too. Absolutely not. It took me years to really be powerfully with it but it was a choice that I had to make consistently day after day after day because I didn't want the other option and the other option for me felt insidious, felt poisonous. felt. Like a slow death, and I didn't want the rest of my life to be this bitter, anger, resent-filled life where I was looking at men a certain way, and I was fearful, and I was, you know, you know, in just a space of fear. I didn't want to live in fear. That wasn't a choice that I wanted to make. So, so I completely, one hundred percent, hear where your listener was coming from. Um, but the truth is, it's poisonous either way you look at it, right? If you think if she particularly thought it was poisonous. to to claim responsibility for it and find the gift in it, I would challenge her to say it's probably more poisonous to let, to remain a a quote unquote victim of it. Because when you're a victim of it, you have absolutely no power. And that person, what they did to you, that act that occurred has power over you the rest of your life. And until you're willing to flip that victim into victor mentality, you're powerless, and I choose to be powerful, and and that's something I've done a lot of work with a lot of women and men who have been in sexual trauma, and a lot of people don't like this at first. So I get a lot of lash back from people like, I don't want to do this. No, this doesn't seem right, but after months of working with them, they actually see how this, this is the choice that frees them, and again, it's not the easy path, but um, it's the path for me that I chose because I wanted to feel free.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I think, I think you're, you're spot on with, you know, being able to take a lot of valuable insight from listeners and people that reach out and and share their point of view on it. But, um, it is important to be able to, um, Take those things, but also look on the other sides of them because I do believe that you, it is way more valuable to be able to feel empowered by the things that have happened in your life and take responsibility. Doesn't totally. mean that like you make it, you made it happen. Doesn't mean no. that all that happened, you know, because you decided it to, but at least it gives you that emotional and mental stability, I guess, and just if feeling you like you're taking another step up. That's um, it. So, another question that I want to ask you is like 1000 questions. (laughs) But I'm like looking at my list and I'm like, okay, which one am I going (laughs) to pick? So I guess I want to hear your views on money.
1: Ooh, okay. (laughs) Because I feel like you'd Um, be an
0: awesome person to talk about money with.
1: Yeah. So okay. So I used to have a really bad relationship with money. And it's funny because I was making a lot of it. But I had this story that I hated money. You know, my, my subconscious story was money is evil and money makes people bad and money, blah, 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 like the list goes on. I had all these stories, negative stories about money. Um, now I have this amazing healthy relationship with money because I realize that money is completely innocent. It's just paper. And we give meaning to it based on how much it means to us. And for me, I'm at the point in my life where I love having access to money because it means I can give and serve more. And it, that twist has been a huge gift for me um, because before I was making all this money and spending it because I, I almost, like, didn't want to hold it because it felt bad. And I just had a ton of stuff. Like, I had so much stuff. It was so ridiculous. I had just piles of clothes, just, like, stupid stuff. And now I'm at the point where I don't spend on stuff, I spend on experiences. I spend on opportunities to invest in myself and my learning and my growth so that I can share and and, uh, give myself and my growth to my audience and the people around me. And I invest in experiences with my family and my fiance. I invest in my trips to Africa and my nonprofit. And how can I not love something that gives me the ability to invest in that, like to invest in my highest growth in in my impact in my legacy, but also in my service to the world. So, yeah, I, I just have a much better relationship with money at this point. And I recognize that it's just a vehicle for exchange. And, you know, if, if we create value in the world, then people will exchange these things called dollar bills that we've made mean, you know, have worth. And in exchange for the value that you create. So, there's a lot of people out there that aren't really creating a lot of value, but still making money. Like, I look at clothes and I'm like, okay, clothes are awesome. I love fashion. I love style. Um, I happen to like remix a lot of stuff in my closet and make new things out of old things because I had that much stuff. But we really don't need more than five outfits as human beings. Like, we really don't. You know, talking about basic survival. So, it's excess, right? So people are willing to spend all this money on excess in clothing in electronics in stuff in three cars and in all these things. And, and why should they not be willing to invest something that creates value and impact in their world? And that was a huge lesson for me to get as a coach. I think when I first got into this business, I I almost felt bad charging people. I'm like, "Ah, I just want to help everyone. I would do this for free. Like I feel bad charging people for this, but it's like, I'm, I'm an access point for people to get their life back. That should absolutely be worth some value to them. And it's, you know, my time is valuable and I do, I, I invest literally probably six figures into my personal growth and, uh, who I am at this point in the last five years. And because I love learning and I love growing and, why not? The return on my investment is the fact that I can create products and create services for people that really make an impact, and then I can take whatever excess I have and use that to serve the world in so many ways. As my nonprofit with, you know, sex trafficking uh, nonprofits that I I give money to and time to, you know, there's so much, so much
0: have you ever gone through a dry spell with your business or being an entrepreneur where you know you're feeling really confident with money your relationships getting better and you feel very confident in charging people for your services because you see it as energy and all this good stuff is happening and then all of a sudden you're not making any and then (laughs) the feelings start to arise again and you start to panic and you create and you create and create and you put it out into the universe hey you know i'm a coach i do this for a living um, hire me and you know nothing just crickets for a while ha- if that's ever happened or if you know people that happened to yeah well that it
1: totally happens and I wouldn't say it happens in that exact case scenario but it the dry spells the ups and the downs like that's just part of the game like if if you're really about being an entrepreneur and working for yourself and creating possibility for yourself and not having a boss and a salary like that's one thing you got to be ready for mm-hmm. and The the beautiful thing is is I had two parents who were entrepreneurs, um, who came from entrepreneurs. So uh, entrepreneurship is in my blood, and and risk is in my blood, and I'm okay with the dry spells. Um, I have no problem even in a dry spell investing in the vision because for me I'm I'm focused on the vision and if I'm my my sights on the vision there's going to be a ton of stuff that comes between me and the vision that I could focus on the ups the downs the highs the lows the good the bad blah 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 but if I focus on those it's a trap it's a total trap so i've got to you know my work as a leader and in your work as a leader and all of us who run our own businesses is our work is about yes, we get to see what's happening and focus on the reality of our business, but we've got to be focused long term. We've got to be focused on the vision. We've got to stand strong and firm in that vision without bending every time things get a little crazy because they're going to get crazy. <laughs> you know, like they're absolutely going to get crazy and and my motto is whatever it takes and I have worked three jobs on the side to invest the money that was needed to build my business. I have stayed up 26 hours at one point to finish a project by a specific deadline that I created for myself. And, you know, this is the stuff people don't like to hear. They like to hear, like, I just did it overnight and yay, I made all this money and you can too. But (laughs) quite frankly, I mean, anything worth having long term is going to take long-term effort and long-term commitment. And, you know, a lot of people don't have that type of work ethic these days. They want it fast, quick, and easy, and it's just not how it works. And when, when we do hit the dry spell on our business at times, we've got a thousand other things in the works that have already been in the works. We didn't create them out of scarcity. We created them out of abundance. And that's the big thing, right? When you're in a successful high and like money's flowing in and you're doing good and you're kicking ass and you're like, oh my gosh, it can't get better than this. That's when you've got to work two times harder because it's it's in the success where people fail because they get so comfortable with their success that's there for the moment. They're in the season of success that they lean back, they put their feet up, And they go, oh, I don't need to create anymore. This is working. For me, the season of success is when you dig your heels in and you go harder because that just means that there's going to be a a dry season and it's inevitable. Everything ebbs and flows. You look at the stock market, you look at the real estate market, you look at the internet. Everything goes up and down just like the waves come in and out. And if we can expect that, then we can create from a space of abundance, not out of necessity, but say, okay, okay. Now that everything's going really well, how can I serve more? How can I create more value for my audience? How can I bring more to the table than I've ever brought before? And then when the dry season hits, you're already fueling the fire and your audience is like, yes, thank you, you're providing, thank you. And you're not in the space of scarcity. Because as leaders, if we're in a space of scarcity, we're not leading effectively.
0: Yeah, and you know what, I, what I'm thinking that I really love about you and about your fiance and about Jake, and I'm just noticing similarities with all of y'all is that you focus so much on the why and yeah. not so much on like, you know, the money. You you yeah. Your relationship with money has changed so much, but it's easy, it's so easy for me personally, like being vulnerable, like just focus on the money and focus on, so this is what happens with me a lot of times. I'll get the best of the best for me is when I'm doing one-on-one consulting mm. or I say consulting, but I mean coaching. So like, yeah. you know, coaching people through whatever food and body and life issues are going with. And that's when I feel like I have the best high. Yeah. I just feel so good or when I'm creating a program yes. or creating a, a really awesome blog post that just comes out just how I wanted it to. That's when I feel the best. But when I'm not doing those things, I try to fill my time instead of doing something like self-care or making myself feel good and nurturing my body. I I will do something that at least feels productive. Like I will go crazy on social media and try to get everywhere on social media or I'll start emailing and networking with people, which is great. But I can get so focused on doing, 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 doing that I lose sight of that one so important why is why am I doing it? You know, how do I make this connection with this person I know really needs my message? Um, and instead of just saying create something amazing right now, it's like what little tiny things can I just fill up three hours with that are just going to drive <laughs> right. me crazy and like run me into the ground.
1: That's it, yeah. And that that you're not alone, by the way. It's like I think that's every entrepreneur's like thorn in their side because we feel like oh well, the more we do, the more we do, the better we'll get, the bigger our business will get. But I think focusing on the the big why and that vision. You know, if you're focused on the vision, which is I get to serve and change people's relationships with their body and their health, and in turn, create a healthy world, like if that's your vision, and by the way, I just got chills, because it's like, hell yeah, that's a good vision, right? If that's your vision, then you get to say, okay, I've got three hours. How can I best serve people and having a healthy relationship with their body so that in turn, we have a healthier relationship with the world? And like... That question alone is going to answer and open up so many amazing things that aren't like the little busy work things. It might just be taking 10 minutes or 20 minutes to respond to one person's email who really needs it. It might be you need to meditate and clear the channel because you're in busy monkey mind. It might be that you need a nap. It might be that you you go for a walk and nourish your own health. It might be that you go for a walk and take a video about it and share it how nourishing your own health for other people for yourself helps you help other people. You know, so when when we get still and we listen and we're focused on that why, we're focused on that vision, the answer's there, you know, but I think a lot of us we busy ourselves because we think it's the those little things that will make a difference, but if we're truly focused on the vision, if we're vision oriented, the details kind of figure themselves out. You know, and, I, and I'm a detail person. I'm a Virgo. Like, I'm, I've got lists everywhere. Like, I'm hyper-organized. You know, I'm a details person, but that's been my biggest learning is get out of the details and get into the vision and execute with excellence, and you'll be fine.
0: Have you ever had to cut ties with something that is, quote, healthy or, quote, good for you because you knew that it wasn't benefiting your purpose and your vision, like, mm-hmm. for example, you know, a lot of people that listen to the show have gone through exercise addiction, oh they're so God. obsessed with exercise and, and yeah. um, orthorexia. So I don't know if you know what orthorexia is, but it, do you know what that is? I don't. So ortho- orthorexia is like a newly classified um, eating disorder where you're obsessed with what you consider to be healthy eating. Ah. And it is real. It is very real. Yeah. So that's what I oh. used to have. And I was so obsessed with clean eating. And paleo and then vegan that nothing else in life mattered. Relationships didn't matter. Um, The work I was doing, it didn't matter. Sleep didn't matter. The fact that I didn't have my period for a year didn't matter. Right. All that mattered was that my four ounces of chicken breast didn't have any sodium and I got it, you know, every three hours. It was Mm -hmm. like so focused on it. And I had to take a huge step back from eating healthy so that I could get healthy Totally. And, and then with exercise, especially, this is something I still kind of deal with on a, on a regular basis is like finding things that make me feel really good in my body. But then I can really quickly start to see that even though I'm doing something that is fun, I'm starting to make it a to-do or I have to because I'm like forcing myself to go, you know, work out in a certain way or, or do this because I have to. I have to. Like it's, it's healthy. And then I had to catch myself and say, stop doing that because I noticed that when I fall into that pattern of starting to think that way and it comes and goes, like sometimes I'll find an activity that I absolutely love. Like I started doing pole dancing, which was really fun. Oh, nice. And just like a pole studio. And then I realize, you know, I can get too obsessed with it to where I have to do it every day. Like I have to exercise every day. And then, then I'm like, dang it. Like I'm doing it again. It just keeps coming back. And I have to say, you know, pull back, maybe even stop doing it for a while and, Um, you know, to other people that may think that's not very healthy to stop doing something. But for a lot of individuals, you have to stop doing something that's quote healthy in order to get healthy.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting, because I do have something like that. I, I went through a period of my life, gosh, I don't even know how long ago, probably six years ago. You know, what? it was actually around the time when I finally came clean about the sexual assault that I went through, I became a raw foodist. And, you know, I felt amazing, by the way. I felt so incredible. I had so much energy. But I was spending every single waking hour preparing food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like every hour preparing food. It was crazy. And looking back on it now, I can can see that it was a sense of control that I was looking for because I felt at that point that I was kind of spinning out of control because that's when I just – You know, came to terms with everything that I had been through, and I was looking for a way to feel grounded and steadied, and that was something that like felt very controlled to me. So I definitely had that, Um, and now my relationship with food and exercise, I think, is super healthy. Um, It's all about balance, you know. And the thing I always ask myself before I enter into anything whether it's a, my next meal or exercise or whatever i say am i doing this because i love my body or because i hate my body and like that's the game changer right there mm-hmm. and i only do stuff when i love my body and if it's because i hate my body i'm not going to do it because i'm not going to feed i'm not going to feed that demon because when we feed the demon called i hate my body so i have to exercise or i hate my body so i have to eat this then we're perpetuating a cycle of you know lack of worthiness of i'm not good enough and we're feeding that beast but when we feed the beast called well i'm eating healthy because i love my body my body's my temple i want it to run well i want to feel energized i want it to take me through the end of my life and so i can know my grandkids and my great grandkids like that's a totally different come from and now I hike because I love it. I surf because I love it. I eat healthy because I feel good. And I also have cookies sometimes because I like cookies, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But I also do it from a place not because, oh, I'm eating this cookie because I'm overwhelmed and I'm stressed out and food's going to make me feel better. I'm like, I'm going to have a cookie because I like cookies and it tastes good. And I'm not going to go crazy. I'm going to have one. And that's right. it, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah. The other day I was I was doing something – I was doing some kind of, you know, movement activity and it was a have to. And in my mind, I was noticing the whole time I was like, okay, it's one hour. Get over this hour really quickly. You have this to do. You have this to do. You have this to do afterwards. You have all these things to do. Oh my gosh. Why am I even doing this? Why am I even working out? I shouldn't be doing this right now. I hate this. Oh, I'm not even sweating. Why am I not sweating? This is worthless. I'm not burning any calories. This sucks. Why is it too cold? Like it just kept going on. And I was so aware of all of those thoughts and I kept letting Mm -hmm. them run through me and run through me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I think it built up to a point where I was about 15 minutes in and then there were so many thoughts just circling around. That I said, screw it. And I just rolled up my yoga mat, turned it off, and then I grabbed my keys, put on some pants, and like went to go do those errands that I was obsessing over. Yeah. And honestly, that felt great. That felt so empowering because what I really wanted to do was the errands. Like, I was excited to do the errands, I was ready to do them. I had to do's and I was ready to have a productive day. And the last thing that felt productive to me was, you know, doing some kind of yoga in my living room. Like, that's yeah. not what I wanted to wake up and do. I didn't want to. Do that instead of breakfast i'd rather have a good breakfast and then go do my errands and being able to just turn it off you know and get out the door was so empowering and i was like wow this just it feels so good to be able to be aware of those thoughts and be in yes. tune and to even even more so to listen and obey like That's it. Yeah. listen to your intuition you can notice all day long that you're having negative thoughts but if you don't do anything about it then you're not being empowered
1: Totally. And you know what? The negative thoughts are a total, like it's our gateway, right? So that negative thought is going, why are you doing this? So that's, that's a gateway for you to go, huh, why am I doing this particular type of yoga in the morning? Maybe I'd rather do it at night. When would I like to do yoga? Do I even want to do yoga anymore? You know, and it's a gateway for you to discover what you actually want to do, what you actually want to eat, and why you want to do these things. And when we create a space, again, it's that focus on the vision. If we're focused on a vision, if we're focused on a, a Maddie, let's say, like, okay, we want a Maddie that's happy, healthy, exuberant, loving her life, kicking ass in her business. If yoga does not fit into that then it's not your flow. You know, maybe it's boxing because that helps you feel like a badass and that helps you, you know, take out any of that that stress that might come up through emails or whatever. You know, like we've got, we've all got to find our thing and we all don't have the same thing. Like I love that you did pole dancing because that's your thing and you probably love it. It's probably super fun and different and and you get to do what you love, right? And I, there's so many people who have um like a one size fits all game plan for people and and that's impossible we're all different and you know it's it's the trick of we don't want to let our ego talk to us and say oh well you shouldn't be exercising because this is stupid because we all know that exercise and movement is great for our bodies but it's again about balance and why are we doing it are we doing it because we love you know, feeling amazing in our bodies because we love being outside because we love yoga or because we love dance or whatever it is. Or are we doing it because we hate our bodies and we have to lose weight and I have to fit into this dress before this event? And, da, da, da. you know, and women, I, I, mean, I feel so bad for us because, like, we are advertised to and marketed to a gazillion times a day and told that we're not good enough. And the funny thing is if we did what every single advertiser said. We still wouldn't be good enough because then there'd be another advertiser who would come along and go, oh, this is the trend now, and now your hair should be this color, and now your nails should be this color, now your s- skin should be pale instead of tan, and now you should, and we'd be constantly chasing the carrot. Mm-hmm. And we've got to ditch the carrot and go, well, what the hell do I want?
0: Mm-hmm exactly and i I come from a very you know southern family Mm -hmm. very conservative and the men on one of the sides of my family all of them stress beauty so much it's like i mean family vacations now that i have grown up and i am in the industry now of body image and body positivity and i love it i'm so much more aware of all of the you know beauty talk and I, i mean family vacations i'm just like shocked at how much beauty and like your appearance is stressed in you oh, know, yeah. parts of my family. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, like it's valued so high. And then I grew up always hearing this phrase um, from my dad because he learned it from my grandpa of, you know, exercise is like eating. You have to do it every single day. Mm. Like, so, you know, while this is great, I think movement every For day sure. is fantastic. Go take a walk. Like, you know, go cook something or do laundry. That's even movement. You know, some days that's all you need. But growing up thinking that I had to do it just like food, like really kind of made me think about it differently. It made me think of exercise as a have to, a to do, like have to do it, have to look a certain way, um, but also keep up with your your perfect beauty standards. So it's good to be able to see these things you know, circling around us in family and in friends, and especially on the media. But it's also good to know that those are lies being passed down and told to you and changing your perception on something that's pure and beautiful and and meant to make you feel good in your body, not meant to be just another to-do. Totally. You
1: know, I always like to bring it back to, um, to animals. If you look at nature... Like, we're animals, and a lot of people forget that. You know, like, we are mammals, people. Like, I know we've got computers and stuff in our pockets, but we're animals. And I, I always like to liken myself to nature because there's so many lessons in nature. And if you look at wolves or any wild animals, wild dogs, lions, whatever, they've got a very balanced life, right? You know, they they certainly move. They certainly get their quote-unquote exercise in, but it's not, we look at exercise as work. They move. It's just a part of their life. Movement is a part of what they do. And then they eat, and they eat food that is perfect for their bodies, and they eat only what they need. They never take more than what they need unless they're hibernating. But again, that's not more than what they need because they need a certain amount for a certain amount of months. And then they're constantly in motion. So again, like what you said, it's not about, Oh, I need to lift weights and go to the gym or go to yoga every single day. It's like, dude, just move. Mm -hmm. Just move. That's it. Like, don't sit on your butt all day on the couch and watch TV or listen to podcasts or search the internet. Just move. Get up and move and, and, you know, go walk for your food. And I know cars are awesome. I love cars. I love airplanes. I love all that stuff. But every once in a while, hop on your bike go for a bike ride to go pick up your errands or to go pick up a coffee or whatever. Just find small ways. Like for me, one of the ways I do it since I moved to LA, because I lived in New York City for a decade and I didn't own a car. I walked everywhere and it was amazing because I never exercised. That was my exercise. And when I moved to LA, you drive everywhere and it's, it's slightly annoying, but guess what? I had to find a way around it. And now I just park in the furthest parking spot I can find or three blocks away and I walk to where I'm going and then I walk back and I take the stairs instead of the elevator, the escalator. And people are always like, why do you park so far away? I'm like, well it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to get some steps in. And I don't always have that opportunity. So when I have it, I'm going to take it. And and I think again, that's that responsibility piece. Like there's opportunities everywhere for us to take responsibility for our health and our wellness. People just don't want to change their lifestyle. They don't want to do the work. And, you know, when I hear people go, oh, I just don't have time to exercise, I'm like, bullshit. Yeah, you do. You can walk up the stairs on your way to work, you can park further away, you can take a lunch break and walk 5,000 steps. Like, I call BS on that because people are just way too comfortable being comfortable. And, you know, we find out what people's priorities are when you look at their life. It's mm-hmm. not that people don't lack discipline. They actually have discipline. They're just disciplined for the, the things that don't serve them. They're disciplined to watch TV. They're disciplined to drive everywhere and never walk. They're disciplined to you know, order delivery instead of going out for their food. They're disciplined for bad eating habits. They're disciplined to never move and work out. So they're very disciplined just in mm-hmm. the wrong direction.
0: Right. And on the other side of the spectrum, there are the people that are 100% – Do it or don't do it all like, you know, I'm going to go for a workout and I'm going to spend an hour there and that's when it's considered a real workout. So if people start thinking that way, they think like this new, they have a standard for what is considered as a workout. Like it's, it can't just be movement. It has to be an hour long workout. So why bother parking in the farthest parking spot if that's not considered a real workout? That's just a stupid little walk. You know, that's how I, that's how I used to think. It was like, okay, I get my hour in, then I'm done I don't need to be motivated to, to move much for the rest of the day because I got that one hour in at the gym and that's considered real and everything else is not real, doesn't count, doesn't matter matter. And the minute that I stopped thinking about movement as exercise, as working out, as an hour long, as a structured thing, took out completely shattered that belief. I started finding so much joy in doing the things you just listed, like going for a quick walk or biking somewhere. Then I started realizing that's what movement really feels like, like taking away those rules and the guidelines for what's considered real and not real. Because I made those up in my mind in the first place. That's it. It's not even true. It's like I just made them up and started to believe it's law.
1: Totally. And and the thing is, again, why are we doing it, right? So I'm sure because I had that at one point in my life where I was exercising all the time and I was doing it for results on my body externally, like I wanted my body to look a certain way, right? So my standard for what exercise was, is does it give me physical results I can see? If it doesn't, it's not worthwhile, that was my old standard. Right. So when I switched the, the mechanism in my brain and I said, okay, am I doing this because I love my body, then it became, oh, whoa, there's all these internal functions that I get to nurture as well. So walking is one of the best exercises for your internal organs. It literally moves your organs in a way that helps clean out your internal systems. It's great for your heart, it's great for your knees, it's great for your back. Walking is the most natural and effective exercise that we can do. On the other hand, there's meditation. Meditation, you're not even moving, you're just sitting there. And it's one of the best things for heart health and brain health. And it's like, well, if we're truly doing something because we love our body, why are we gonna ignore the internal systems? Those are the most important because there's some people who are like trim and amazing looking on the outside and they're super unhealthy on the inside. But if we're doing it to nurture our body temple because we love ourselves and we love our body, this vessel that carries us through life, we may not look like a fitness god. But we might be so internally healthy because our organs are functioning properly. We're not stressing out our heart with too much crazy exercise or crazy diets. And we're nurturing our brain activity and our our release of stress through meditation. So it really can look like anything because there's so many different avenues to a healthy inside.
0: Right. And I think you just really summed up what a real fitness god is (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. it is being nourished on the inside and that's kind of the change that I want to see in this world as people starting to understand that fitness doesn't mean leanness because leanness can come along with an entire set of problems mentally physically emotionally spiritually in every other way you make leanness your number one priority and so many things can go down the drain
1: totally like, I've got girlfriends. I mean, I was in the modeling industry for years. so i've I've seen this to the extreme, where people just do these crazy crash diets and, you know, fitness wraps and all this sort of stuff before shoots, and they're dehydrating their body and they're doing this, this and that, and they're losing their hair. Mm-hmm. They're not, like you said, losing their period, their ability to have their menstrual flow. I mean, Talk about being healthy. If, if your body is not doing its monthly flow, there's something wrong. And, and, you know, when we're changing our diet and we're fluctuating and exercising too much, our body's on overload. And it's like, dude, calm down.
0: Right. Calm down. So I, I want to spend another hour with you, but <laughs> <laughs> I know we can't. So another time I will have to have you back on to talk about all the other things. But before we go, can you tell us about the bridge method
1: Yes, yes. So the Bridge Method is a a 12-week online training program that my fiance, Preston Smiles, and I created. And it's a culmination of decades of study and practice that both he and I have done. And really, it's about building a bridge and creating an access point for people to get clarity around their lives without it being too too spiritual or too heady or too analytical. We wanted to create this mix that was really approachable and fun and also very powerful. And we've had thousands of people go through the program at this point and we've just had these incredible results where people are seeing life from a whole different viewpoint. And that's one of our promises. We don't promise that that your circumstances will be better forever because life will keep lifing and good and bad is going to happen. But you as a human and spiritual being will be able to be with your circumstances more powerfully. And that's what the bridge is. It's it's a toolbox of things that you can have access to in your back pocket when life really gets crazy or when life is super beautiful and it teaches you how to acknowledge and be with life in in a really beautiful way. So it's pretty awesome. You can check it out at the bridgemethod.org and um Actually, you know what? For any of your listeners, I'm happy to give you guys the 50% off, which is family.thebridgemethod.org. So that's for you. It's a little 50% off link. Um, and yeah, it's it's a kick-ass program. And we're with you through the whole journey. We've got weekly accountability through email. And um, it's pretty awesome. Like, it's, it's – I just love it. Every time I read emails, I'm like, oh. This is great. I love this work. It's so good.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. And I'm almost 100% positive that I'm going to be doing that. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds too amazing. And I've I've had my eye on that for a while. So I'll check it out. And everybody else, make sure you check it out. It looks so awesome. And uh, so many people that have gone through it, I just know amazing things have happened in their lives. And um, real quickly, before we do wrap this up, I do have a quick fire round. Do you have some time for that? I do. Okay, cool. Um, Number one, when you hear body freedom, what does that mean to you? Self-acceptance. Oh, beautiful. Current book that you are reading, or what's a book that you love and you think we should all check out? Oh,
1: I've got two answers. Current book I'm reading is The Book of the Tao, and I'm rereading it for the third time. Ancient Chinese philosophy, freaking powerful, always blows my mind every time I open it up. Book everyone should read, Conversations with God, it's awesome. It's my Bible. It's incredible and amazing.
0: Who is your biggest inspiration, dead or alive?
1: Ooh, that's a hard one.
0: Honestly, the people
1: who inspire me most are the people that nobody knows because they do it just because they have to do it. Mm. Like, you know, we all know Gandhi and MLK and And all these amazing people who I love and who are totally inspiring. But in the same sense, there's people every day out on the ground all over the world who are giving back, who are serving, who are making an incredible dent in in the world's issues. And nobody knows who they are. And that's not why they do it. They're just at it because they have to.
0: Do you have a good quote that you can share with us?
1: Mm. Well, one of my quotes Um, it's not really a quote, but it's from Conversations with God. It's a concept. Be, do, have. In order to have what we want, in order to do the things to get what we want to have, we have to be it first. So, you know, the universe cannot give to us what it cannot do through us and as us first. And that's a huge, huge concept. But when we can really grasp that Like, let's say love. A lot of people want love in their lives. Until we're willing to show up as love and allow love to be channeled through us and to be love in all scenarios, we'll never attract love. We'll attract exactly what we are, which is, you know, a lot of people are operating from fear and scarcity.
0: Oh, oh my gosh. I like that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. um, What's a future dream that you're working towards?
1: Uh, Building out my own center – Um, with Preston and a few other amazing human beings, we're looking at building a center that is exactly what the bridge is. It's a place that's open. It's an open forum for education, for spiritual openings and enlightenment, for um, nutrition, for exercise, for community, for Sunday services that aren't spiritual and aren't wrapped up in dogma but are based and steeped in wisdom from all over the world where people come and do retreats and we get tied back into nature and humanity and love.
0: What is your favorite way to distress at the end of the day?
1: Mm, I love reading. Reading is like a great distressor. And then my second one, actually these are probably both tied for first, a nice hot shower. Like I love a hot shower. I appreciate it so much because I spend so much time in Africa where I take bucket showers and they're, like, freezing and really, like, ah! So I, I really am so grateful for a nice hot shower.
0: What is a country that you have visited and loved or a country that is still on your bucket list?
1: Mm, one that I have visited and loved is Tanzania, obviously, is my second home. Iceland was the craziest place I've ever been to on the planet. It's like Mars. Everyone should go there and check it out. Um, a place I haven't been that I'm dying to go to is the Galapagos want to check out all that nature and wildlife, and, like, it's just so wild. It's such a wild place. So maybe for my honeymoon.
0: And what is the change that you want to see happen in the world, at least for right now?
1: I want people to realize and recognize the love that they are.
0: I love it. I love it. I just love you. <laughs> no, I love you. I'm so glad we got to do this. I know. Me too. And... uh Last but not least, for anyone that is not on the show notes for this uh, episode, where can people connect with you? I am all
1: over the interweb at alexipanos.com. So Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Periscope, all over, it's alexipanos.com or at alexipanos.
0: Perfect. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this very special episode of the podcast. And everyone go head on over to Moon.com slash MBM73 and check out the show notes for this episode, as well as get the links to connect with Alexi and look at the uh, bridge method and sign up with that uh, with me. And while you're there, Make sure you download your free ebook, 10 Proven Steps for Ending Any Diet Obsession. And I will see you guys next week.